I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Yo, what's up? It's Junior Sanchez, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. You're checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What do you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the Rebels who are shaping our culture. We talk about how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine. Happy New Year. This is our first episode of 2020. I'm very excited to bring you uh, an interview I caught live in Amsterdam with Junior Sanchez. Uh, we were out at the Amsterdam dance event, ADE, for anybody that's involved in any way in dance music or even a fan of dance music. You should definitely be in Amsterdam every um, whenever that is. I think it's October. Uh, it's a great time. And um, I had the rare opportunity to catch up with Junior. He's a DJ that I've been following for a long time. I love his music and his whole get down. And, uh, and we had a great conversation about his career, about um, how he's really always challenged the status quo. He's been a rebel amongst rebels, um, even uh, you know, showing his contemporaries how you can go outside of boundaries of genres of um, you know, just really challenge what um, what everybody's used to. So it's a great interview. I'm excited to share it with you here, and let's get into it right after our EDM.com track of the week. Fuck about. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, give a fuck. 
edm.com track of the week that was Addo Woods with fuck well he spells it F-C-K but I think you know what it's all about anyway if you like that one get over to edm.com check out more new music and let's get into my interview right now with Junior Sanchez Appreciate you making time. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of your music for years, oh, and um, appreciate that. And you know, I really appreciate your perspective on on art, and you know, kind of why you do what you do, and and all that. So I'm excited to, to dig in a little bit. What? Um, so t- take me back to the beginning. Hmm. Do you remember the first record you ever bought? I do, actually. Um, there's a lot of records that came to my life as a young kid. I'm because sure. my, I'm the youngest of six siblings, so. But the one that I personally bought was a bootleg of Acid Crash, and the other side was a freestyle record called. Uh, it was Trilogy. The group mm-hmm. was called Trilogy, and it was called something hot. I remember. I, 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 would, I didn't get it for that. I got it for Acid Crash. Tyreek. Okay. Tyreek Cooper. That was the first record, house record that I bought, and that kind of like, uh, that was 1987 or something. So you were into house from the very beginning. Yeah. So I mean, I grew up. Youngest, I mean, the beginning of, of, of you. My, of my, yeah. Yeah. Well, I grew up youngest of six, right. and they all had their own style. So my one of my brothers was into like industrial, like KMFDN, mm-hmm. Bolton Cox, and Ministry, and. You know, and then my sister was into like, you know, Boston and ELO and Jeff right. Lynn, like, and, and my other brother was into hip hop, you know, like Slick Rick. So everyone yeah. had their thing. Yeah. So I got influenced by all of them. So I loved all that stuff. But when I first heard Acid Crash or house music, that was yeah. me. That's so that cool. was my sound print or my blueprint. I was like, all right, this is me. You guys got all this. This is what I got. Because mm-hmm. my other brother passed away. He was into like, you know, Depeche Mode and New Wave and Pet Shop Boys and, uh, like early freestyle sure so that was his thing and 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 he liked house music as well but you know he was leaning more towards all the new wavy stuff and the freestyle stuff mm-hmm. and uh when house really you know that was like this is mine i discovered it right it wasn't you guys introducing me you know and <laughs> yeah, so, yeah sure. that was yeah, since since then yeah that's interesting because it you know music i think especially at that time is such a big part of your identity you know, the way you dress, the way you talk, the, like your style, whatever. And so you're in this household with everybody with their own different styles. And uh, yeah. it must have been an interesting dinner table. Yeah, I mean, and they all bought vinyl because there was right. the format to buy. Sure. And it wasn't even because they were DJs. It was just that was the format. You bought cassettes, vinyl. They all bought vinyl because it was cool and right. normal. And they all had record players. Yeah. So when they left home, when they wanted leaving they just didn't take the records mm-hmm. you know they all just they left them so I just winded up pretty early on with a massive eclectic collection of That's music amazing. you know so you know I would have stacks of the Smiths and stacks of this and that and and I just continued to add to it as I got older yeah and then I learned how to DJ mixing those records so sure. I would mix you know whether it be my mother's Latin records or Brazilian records with new wave records or yeah. you know KMFDM, Depeche Mode, and I would be mixing them. So yeah. I learned to mix early on with that style, and then that perfected 
my the way I mixed and pitching mm -hmm. hearing mm -hmm. actually helped me with my tuning of my ears because I would know beforehand what record would go with sure. the record because yeah. you wouldn't wait to the end right because you you're kind of blending music right so if you you know yeah you would sure. just kind of kind of figure out the key in your head it was weird like mm -hmm. you kind of knew that and well I did and um, yeah that helped me a lot early on did you who introduced you to DJing um, so, yeah so when I was in middle school I had a friend and he was the first friend that I knew that had a setup. Like mm. a, it was like Gemini setup, mm -hmm. uh, belt drive, yep. with like the knob, you know, the, the wheel. Yeah, pitch, yeah. I the, remember that. thumb, yeah. He had that set up, and I started DJing then, right? And then in 1988, my brother comes over to introduce his, his wife now. They've been together forever. At the time, his, his girlfriend to my mom. And her, it's going to sound complicated, but it's not, but her brother-in-law's brother that's the simplest way i can put it i used to say her sister's husband's brother <laughs> brother-in-law's brother yeah i get it was a producer and he he his name at the time he had a record out called flight that does it was like a huge latin freestyle mm. record told my titties mm -hmm. he, he it was he, he had like the voice of like tony montana like, Yo, oh, it was a big new york club record yeah and he named by his, he went by the moniker Jose Chinga. It was on Basement Records, mm -hmm. and then he produced a lot of freestyle. And then he went on and did some house stuff. Uh, he did Joey Kid, everything, all these, all these like cool mm -hmm. freestyle New York records. And I knew the record. I was like, because it was a big ass record it's all about titties. Right. So everybody was like, oh, I was like, oh my god, that shit. That, I want to meet him. Of course. I'm like, eleven, I think. Yeah. And I asked my mom if I could. So my brother lived with her brother-in-law at the time before they got married in his basement. Um, so and they lived in Newark. So I was like, can I go spend time with my brother and meet this guy? My mom said, yeah, if you go to church every Sunday, so you, you can you know do your thing and do mm -hmm. you know, I don't know confirmation. I don't know what it was, something like that. And um, I said, yeah. So I would go spend the weekends with him, and lo and behold. Tony, the Tony Studio, the guy that did that record, was in the basement. That's the first time I saw a studio, and I hung out with him. He didn't treat me like a kid. He right. kind of like, you know, I would hang out with him to, and it was the weekend, so to two, three, four in the morning, he's mm -hmm. making music, and I'm just looking at him do stuff. And he gave me my first crate of records. Like he went through his doubles and all this stuff, mm -hmm. and just little by little, it was like a whole summer I was there. And he compiled a crate and he said, "Here you go." Right. And that was my first real crate of records and. That's when I got the bug, and he he plays a part in in my first production years later as well. Funny enough. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you seem to have a lot of people that you connected with really early on, from Armand. Yeah. Uh, Harry Romero. Yeah. Um, that you know, I'm sure helped you in certain ways. You helped them. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there is there something? Is there a secret to, to connecting with people? I was just out all the time. Yeah. I remember when I met Armand, I met him in Boston at a rave. So I was going, I went to a rave in Boston, like one of those colors rave, like mm -hmm. blue, red, green, mm -hmm. you know. I think it was Tom, uh, Tom Mello. Okay. And I went to a rave and he was playing. He was going by the name DJ Aviate because mm. that was his label, Aviate. Records. Right, right, right. So he wasn't even on Mount and Heldon. But he had like certain records out on AVA, Pirates Caribbean, like mm -hmm. stuff like that.
So I knew him, his music at least, and he was DJing, and I was at the time hustling. I was selling shirts. I would, I would take like the Burger King logo and put, and it would say Disco King, and just sell him the raves. And I gave, he was like, yo, I like that shirt. I gave him a shirt, yeah. and he was like, yo, I'm moving to New York. At this time, blah, blah, blah. Let's exchange numbers. And he's older than me. He's, mm -hmm. he's, yeah, he's about eight or nine years older than me. And um, he was like, here's my number. And at that time, it was like literally a physical number. He called me on a piece of paper. Whatever, yeah. yeah. He's like, I'll call you. And he said, you know, give me a number. I'll call you when I move to New York. Right. So he did. He actually called me. I remember being at my brother's house. And... I get a call because I, I think I gave him my, that number because I was there all the time. Mm -hmm. oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, I checked the voicemail at my house and he left a message on the voicemail and I called him back. And, um, and he was like, yo, I'm having a party. You see, he moved to New York already. He, have, he, he was there for a few months. Mm -hmm. So it was the first time he called me. Oh, he didn't cool. call me as soon as he came. He just right. got settled in. He found a place. And, uh, yeah. He said, like, I'm having a party. I want to invite you. I'm here. I'm in New York now. And the party he had he lived in his loft on near the music building on 30th street and he had two roommates one now works as a radio dude named john the horse mcmahon's like a, a radio guy i think for interscope or something oh, okay john and uh some other dude was like a photographer so they all shared a room and his room was in this old fur vault so the door was like this crazy ass heavy door Let me tell you about our sponsor, HoneyBook. I know a lot of you started your own businesses or you're thinking about it. You got your side hustle. You, you're an entrepreneur. You're the CEO. But uh, if, it's your, if it's your company and you're, you're just starting out, you're, you're also going to be the accountant, the marketing manager, the assistant. Uh, you got to do it all. And if you don't, it doesn't get done. And I know that's not why you started your business. I can say that for myself. I started to bring ideas into the world and yet we get stuck with all this minutia so uh, to help you you need HoneyBook it's an online business management tool that organizes all your client communications bookings contracts invoices all in one place you can sync it up with your Google Suite your MailChimp your QuickBooks or whatever other tools you use and uh, and it helps you automate all, all that busy work there's templates there's um, uh, it's just a great system for for getting more done with less time, let you focus on the stuff that you really want to be doing uh, and control your business. Right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit HoneyBook.com slash Rebel. Payment's flexible and the promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So go to HoneyBook.com slash Rebel for 50% off your first year. That's HoneyBook.com slash Rebel. Anyway, so I go to this party. His loft was probably as big as his room right yeah. now. Um, and, yeah, a little bit more. And uh, it was water wall people in there, you know, between mm -hmm. all of them inviting who they knew, mm -hmm. right? So it was an eclectic group of people, but Gladys was there, Pizarro from Strictly Rhythm, Roger, Roger Sanchez was there. All these people were there, you know, and I walked into Armand's room, and uh, I see Roger and Armand's at that time his baby's mom sitting on the bed and she's crying and I'm like yo what's, what's up what's going on like why is she crying he goes oh she just found out Roger did love dancing and I was just like oh shit and <laughs> that was emotional because I'm like damn man like, look how these 
how people affect people, you know, yeah. like records affect people, you know. For sure. So she's meeting Roger for the first time. That that record connected her so much. She started dancing. Plus, they're probably all in ecstasy. Uh-huh. So it was like that. And I wasn't. So right. I was walking in completely so into a room full of emotion, sure. you know. So Armand had, you know, grabbed me from the neck and it was like, scratched my, like, give me a noogie in the head. And Gladys was coming in and he was like, this is the next kid right here. And I, and she looks at me, she was like, all right, come to my office, bring me some music and bring me on a DAT, on mm-hmm. one cassettes. And I turned on him later, I'm like, yo, what's, what's a DAT, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I go and I'm like, I take that, to me, I was just like focused. And I go to my friend who was the musical director of, or he ran the music for his college for Montclair State University. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was like, yeah, we got tons of those and nobody uses them, that machines. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's like in the back, he's like, that literally two racks full of Panasonic 3700s. Yep. Just, mm-hmm. and I just go there with a screwdriver. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> Take one. He was like, just, I don't know, right. go. I took one, one that was like, one, one thing was true. I should have just took another one. It was so many. But I'm fixated on this one. I'm bending the ear of it. That was the one, man. That was the one. And uh, I took that one and I made my first records. And I remember bringing it to Gladys and she yeah. signed them. Yeah. And my thought mentality by then, it wasn't even about, I'm going to be a superstar DJ. I was going to fly around the world. I was going to move. No, I was like, she gave me a check. I'm like, yo, $1,200. I think it was like twelve or 1500 bucks. I'm like, yo, I can open a bank account. I can kind of find my own place if I do one of these a month mm-hmm. I could live yeah I could, I, you know at the time as a kid sure. I mean I'm young sure. that's it that was my only thought of of success yeah. it wasn't there was no like preconceived notion of like I'm gonna be this thing yeah we weren't doing it for those reasons we were just doing it because we loved it and we just wanted to survive so what is it now how do you define success now happiness straight up being happy Okay. That's real for me at this point and where I am in my life yeah. is happiness. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not about repeating myself to achieve ex- what I achieved already. So, mm-hmm. you know, I look at what I've done, fantastic, cool with the accolades, but um, I'm not into just repeating myself kind of growth. Yeah. Um, quality, I like to make sure that I make music that is you know from my soul from the heart for sure and just and that's all I can do you know and yeah. if people resonate with, if it resonates with people awesome that's all you can ask for yeah you know so I saw a quote you said that uh, art is about re- being a rebel yeah um, which is part of you know why you're a great fit for this show yeah uh, cause it's called Rebel Radio yeah. and we talk to people that are rebels and so I wonder do you um do you ever catch yourself kind of getting stuck in in your comfort zone, and and what do you do to, to push yourself out of that? Man, you know it's it's funny because I was I've always been my worst enemy with that. Like my Achilles heel is getting bored too quickly, mm-hmm. and that caused a big problem for my career. I think early on because I was just like constantly trying to find something mm. else. Yeah, and then so if everyone was putting down guitars and picking up turntables I was like right, I'm gonna pick up that guitar <laughs> and so but people right. so they were just catching up and I'm moving on not to say yeah. I'm like this prolific head thinker I just it was just my problem that I was constantly like on something and then 
by the time I was tired of it, people were catching up to that. And I'm like, right. okay, I'm on to this next thing. I should just stay there. But I think that's you know? the challenge of, of artists, right, is that um, you're so close to the music that you, you want to evolve faster than your audience can keep up. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it might be you might be bored with it. I think it's but you've a, heard yeah. the song five thousand times. They've only heard it ten, ten times. times. You know but it's mean? a maturity thing too. I think. For I sure. Think when you're young, you're rebel. You're you're more rebellious, and you yeah. just want to do things, and you're not necessarily thinking about the aesthetic of it and how mm-hmm. good it, it is. You just want to do it. Right. Without thinking, because punk rock to me is a mentality. It's not a it's not a form of music. Right. Like you, and people misconstrue that all the time. Sure. Uh, you can be a flute player. And beat the shit out of somebody That's pretty punk You know It's an attitude <laughs> That's right What you put into something So yeah. You know Early on when we listened to Kerry Chandler And his kick drums On those deep records That was punk For mm-hmm. house people mm-hmm. Because me and Armand was like Yo his kicks are so tough And they're different than The traditional Deep house producers right. At the time Inspired us to go, damn, we shouldn't make house records, but you know what all the American New York producers are doing? Let's not do what they're doing. Let's mm-hmm. sample German techno mm-hmm. and make New York house records and sign it to Strictly Rhythm. Wow. Like, that was our thought process. Like, let's take from the shit that nobody's doing here yeah. and and slow it down. Because mm-hmm. that's what we would do. We would take techno records and just, you know, pitch it way down and play mm-hmm. it with. Louis records Mass mm-hmm. Network records and yeah. that's why he was already cr- criticized at first in the beginning in the beginning beginning, people didn't really like Armand's stuff because it was different sure. you know? so it's, they were like well you don't understand you try to destroy or you try to you know this right, right. they were like what is this is this just techno or whatever so yeah I mean there's a lot of evidence that people people as much as we think we want something new we really like what's familiar yeah totally man you know, you want the chords and you want, you know, to, right. we just you wanted, people sort of we wanted that, but yeah. we wanted it to have a different, like, aesthetic to it, yeah. you know? Yeah. We, if, like, we wore a suit, we're going to wear a suit, but we're going to dress it up with a different shoe mm-hmm. or a mm-hmm. different cut, yeah. or maybe the jacket's going to look way bugged out. <laughs> but you're still rocking a suit. That's right. You know? Um, so how do you bring that rebellion now? Uh, now that you're wiser and... Gone with, through that youthful uh, with the with keeping things quality not quantity strategic and making things that are really good yeah. that you can really tell like you know damn even if it's a track you can listen to it and go that's that's thought, there was thought put behind it it's not yeah. like you know I'm putting together you know sample packs and this and that and just you know you can tell when somebody puts their soul heart into something mm-hmm. I was telling somebody yesterday um, everything has soul in it. Techno is it's black. It's from sure. Detroit. You listen yeah. to good techno, you will hear soulfulness in there. Mm-hmm. Carl Craig does a record or they, you hear soulfulness. You don't hear soul in music when somebody does it and it's not from art. Right. They're just putting it together because they, they're just slapping it on because they just want to get it done and they don't really know what they're doing. They're just right. doing it. Sure. So, um, I think being rebellious now more than ever in this in this day and age where there's so much music that is just 
watered down, whitewash, and just stale, yeah. is actually putting heart into your work. That's right now as rebellious you can get because nobody's doing it. Mm-hmm. They're just doing it without heart because they're, they're looking at this success of being the next this or the next that or the, you know the vanity the fame the whatever it is mm-hmm. that's it's they're, they're doing it for different reasons so yeah. I think like being rebellious now right now my is having putting heart back into the music you know, which has never gone for me but mm-hmm. now it's like more apparent I'm making right. it more evident yeah. so I always try to make music with a purpose even if it's the smallest thing, to me, it, it means something. If somebody yeah. can decipher it, great. I don't want to tell people why I'm doing it because I think music should left, be left on t- interpretation. Mm. You know? Yeah. But there's always a purpose why I'm doing it. I like that. Yeah. Where, I mean, we're here in Amsterdam. This city always um, inspires me. Just to, there's something about the water, the canals, and the architecture. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I love the just the young energy there's so many people here that they just come here like this is their first time leaving home yeah they're in Amsterdam and they're going wild and like I just you know to me I feed off of that what what is you what's inspiring you right now outside of music food yeah chefs mm. um, that's inspiring to me I've been I've been like for the past few years I mean for what's funny I've been around that that world a lot since I started my career, but I was so young and naive to what I was exposed to. I had sure. no idea. Yeah, we don't appreciate it. We don't appreciate when it when you're Yeah. No. But um, I'm learning that they're just like us. And some, chef, they're crazy. some chefs are crazy. They're artists. They're, yeah, they're artists. Yeah. They're, and they're nuts. Yeah. And I'm compared. It made me realize that I'm actually not that crazy. <laughs> you know? What's that? Give me an like, example. Meaning. When you look at some of your favorite, our favorite artists, like yeah. right, whether it be painters or singers, poets, musicians, whatever, some are yeah. out of fucking minds, yeah, like for real. And I'm like, damn, I'm not really out of my mind. So am I that good? Well, you didn't cut your ear off. <laughs> yeah, so. like you, you think about it, you're like, damn. But um, food is inspiring to me because you know having the same sensory because you're putting something in your mouth that you mm-hmm. think looks like something, you pop it in, it tastes like something else. Music, you know, you can interpret that to music too. It's ingredients, how you how you structure, how you deconstructing something. Now I'm like, okay, I'm, I want to make a soulful record, but yeah. I don't want it to be just like a traditional soulful record. What am I gonna do to make it different? Which is difficult mm-hmm. to make it different that it kind of it's a little bit more modern, but without intentionally being so right yeah. that I'm going over people's heads because that's what I did a long time is go over people's heads. Sure. So it's finding that balance. Yeah. But yeah, that's inspiring me. Um, it's hard to do. I mean, you you can if you're if you're behind the tables, you can see it when you go over people's heads, right? Because they mm-hmm. stop dancing. Yeah. But I mean, in the studio, that's much harder. Yeah. To to grasp, right? I remember playing Pasha. This is an Ibiza like pre-DFA like you know James Murphy early mm-hmm. on as a friend and I remember mm-hmm. championing a lot of his records because to me it was like the re-emergence of like you know ESG and like to me it was it's dance music live yeah. you know live dance music sure and I was into it I'm like there's still was a moment in time that I was really wanting to have more organic in house because um, at that time there was a house music was really stale that's what happened when you when something you, when the genre you're in doesn't inspire anymore you start looking at other things yeah. to infuse to make it a little better mm-hmm. but a lot of people just don't the purists they want even if it's bad it's good like just right. stay in your lane yeah 
Um, and I remember playing like a, it was, it was either like a DFA record or House of Jealous Lovers or something, mm -hmm. that sort, which is the rapture. Mm -hmm. First time it happened to not play this, and, or just to kind of you want to end early. By the manager. By the, the club. Somebody the club. in the club. I can't yeah, remember yeah. who it was. Yeah. And I'm looking. I'm like, I'm thinking. I'm like, you know, in hindsight, when I think about it now, I get it. It's a house club, but they're not understanding that this is dance music. Right. You know, but I wasn't staying in, at that time in their lane. Sure. And it was scaring them. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Stuff like that happens, man. You know? Yeah. It's interesting shit. Um, back to, you know, you're talking about starting out and, and just the, the drive, the hustle, mm -hmm. T-shirts, being at the studio, being in the clubs, you know, doing kind of whatever it takes. Uh, where do you see that with, with youngsters coming up today? Do you, do you see do you see examples of that, that type of hustle? Um... Yes and no. I think it's a lot less, to be mm -hmm. honest. And I'm not criticizing because I it, my time is different. Sure. We just had less. We had to be there. So, right. like, for example, if you wanted to make music, you really wanted to make music. So you either had to invest in studio time, right. which was expensive, or you had to invest in hardware, mm -hmm. which was expensive. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like you can just do it. Yeah. So it's a different now. But I think kids also... Their hustle, they're holding the future in their hands. Mm -hmm. The careers on the, in their hands, which is their phones, yeah. and they rely on that more than anything else, yeah. even more than talent, to figure out how they're going to achieve that hustle or that goal. So sure. they're not they're not putting in time into the craft mm -hmm. or the history or anything. They're just literally holding this, their career in their hands and going, okay, how do I? amplify my optics right. how do I figure out this algorithm how do I do this how do I get more likes how do I get more this how do I get more that how do I look like I'm looking like I'm successful before sure. I'm successful yeah. it's all like this false narrative 100% and that is that's weird to me you know well, it's interesting, but they're rewarded for it, right? Like, oh, totally. Yeah. And, you know, definitely if you look at hip-hop right now, like, you have to be in memes. I don't know if you have to be, but that's a lot yeah, of yeah, cats are coming up, yeah. right? By just having something that hits a meme that, you know, and that's just part of your... It goes viral. And, and, yeah, yeah. and it's like hand-in-hand -hand with the music, right? And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think... I don't know, is there... You know, as much as these guys can learn from you... Um, what, what are you learning from them? Uh, there's a lot I learned from, from younger artists. I think uh, there's, and you can tell, I hear some young artists when they're making records and they're not really, they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I hear that innocence again. And I like that. Yeah. Like that, okay, you, don't, you really don't know what you're doing, but you, got, you figured something out. Yeah. And you hear that rawness of a record that I may forgot the rawness. I'm like, because I, I know how to do different I produce in different ways so sure. I'm like damn I should simplify again I should just 
you know, maybe not compress so much, or maybe do this, or maybe compress more, mm -hmm. like, or just destroy that kiss, or that yeah. kick, and, or, you know, beef up my harmonics. Like, you start thinking, like, damn, man, or less is more. Right. Why am I using so much? So, you know, I get inspired a lot by young kids, because, you know, and, 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 so, and a lot of them is with, you know, with the dolls, you know, they dive into shit that, you know, I necessarily will stay away from. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and learn new tricks. You know? So I get inspired by the youth for sure. You know, I, I still think I'm fucking I'm that old. You know, so <laughs> for sure. I mean, I'm, but it's I'm older than them. Yeah, I'm not 16 20, or 20 16, coming yeah. up. Right. Yeah, 16 man, when you're that young and you have that world in your hand, I look at them like, man, you guys can do anything. Yeah. Stop looking at your phone yeah. or thinking about that and yeah. you know go dive in into the into the music and just put your some put your time in yeah. they, they, these kids look at a year now like 10 years and right. it is true because technology's made it that way like For now sure. one week is is one month right. one month is three months three months is six months and it's just changing yeah like people are planning ade next year right For now sure yeah. Like we're in AD and they're like, yo, next year, da da da, da it's like closes but like it's nuts. Yeah. I don't remember it ever being that way, where you're planning mm -hmm. already for another event and you're mm -hmm. in that event. That's close and, and they're selling tickets. So right, right. now you turn on your phone like, All right, yeah. tickets for next year of this party A D on sure. sale now, pre sale. You yeah. don't even know who you're going. It's <laughs> brand based. For sure. It's not artist-driven anymore. Yep. Everything is brand-based. Yep. You're investing in brands, or you want to go just because of the brand. Now the mm -hmm. brands are more important than the artists, mm -hmm. which is a whole that's a whole other thing. So the labels want to say they're behind the artists, but sure. at the end of the day, they're just they want to amplify their brand. It's about their brand. Right. You know? Yeah, which I mean, you know, I I kind of get both sides of it. Yeah. Right. Like I get it too. For me. You know, there's just so much choice out there for in everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you know, even even this town, I used to come here ten years ago and there was like there's like two good places to eat. Yeah. And the rest was trash. Now there's like good food. Every every yeah. city you go to there's good food, right? Yeah, yeah, it's changed. Every time you grab your phone there's more music than you could ever listen to in your life. And so the the task of finding something is just more complicated than it used to be anything yeah. right um and so brands help us do that right if, yeah. I, if I look to you know Armada I, I kind of know what I'm getting yeah give or take I, I, I totally hear what you're saying and I get it totally because we grew up with brands and clothing like you know you for know, sure this that you know polo mm -hmm. or echo yeah whatever you know ding dong school you know, <laughs> you know Rave clothing. That's right. But you, but you knew where you were getting, right? Yeah. But then there were other brands that weren't based on the culture that became like the polo. They weren't for hip hop, but they became sure. that, right? Because it was the culture forced it that way. Yeah. When you look at labels like a Sony or XL or Parlophone or any of those labels, so when you think of XL, they're not going this is XL festival no. but no but XL has an Adele they have the Prodigy right. they have Bradley yeah, Boy they have sure. all this, this they curate artists but it's not about them mm -hmm. you know they're not mm -hmm. selling their brand they're selling their artists they're marketing their artists so I get it it's a different spectrum different sure. but an XL start like Right. 12 inch label doing drum and bass and you know really happy hardcore break beats and then yeah. off to what it became 
So I think they evolved to where they became because they weren't just invested in themselves. They were also invested in the artists. Right. That's why they evolved to become who they are. I know? also think it's a different, like, on the one side it's about minimizing risk, right? Meaning, like, kind of what you were saying before, like, if, if everything kind of sounds the same, well, then if you like one, you're probably going to like the rest of it. Yeah. But now, is any of it going to really move you and challenge you and take you out of your comfort zone? Probably not. Probably not, yeah. Because that's not what they're, you know. <clears throat> you're right, but... What, so they're playing it safe, kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, but what happens is, yeah, but what happens is the labels, I think, wind up feeling that they're more important than the artists. Sure. And that's the problem. So here we are, they, you know, they'll go, they have this brand and event, and they have this lineup, but at the end of the day, they're looking at themselves going, it's about, did they want to yeah. say it's about the, the, the artists that are playing, but really it could be anybody there. I mean, I think there's a saying, I might be making this up, that like success has a thousand fathers, right? So like everybody sees that it's them, the yeah. artist, the manager, the label, the... Yeah, yeah it's me, you know, it's me, no, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Like, everyone yeah, thinks it's them that made it happen, whatever. And, you know, there's some truth to all of that, mm -hmm. but um, but we're in an industry that likes to overplay that. Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. Okay, I guess that's my own personal like, viewpoint. So, but you have a label, mm -hmm. and you've had labels yeah. throughout your career, so how do you approach, what's your approach? Artists, I yeah. don't, I don't A and R it. Like, it's funny when people ask me for records, and it's, it's so interesting. And I had this conversation with a couple of friends of mine, and they're like, <clears throat> and it's from like the label owned A and R guy. Like, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, we love what you do. Give us a record, and you give them a record. Yeah, but we wanted to sound more <laughs> like this. And like, okay, but I just gave you what you you yeah. came to me for a record. For sure. Like, so. What I'm trying to say is, like, if I'm painting a picture and I'm, I'm an artist and I have a, a white canvas and I'm stroking some strokes, how are you going to take the brush out of my hand and then start painting it, but you want a painting from me? I don't I don't understand that. So what I do to, to, to um, younger artists that they send me demos, either I like it or I don't like it. Mm -hmm. If I kind of like it and I'm like, I think... Uh, it's too long or it's, it's a simple suggestion, maybe just, you know edit this like but I don't do any creative input because I want them to be who they are I can't tell them how to make their music right you know then I'm yeah. doing it sure. and a lot of artists do that like tell them oh, you should do this and then you can make it like you know so that's one way around my label where yeah. I don't tell who's who I'm releasing music how to make their music right that's why I'm signing it because they made it you know yeah I mean I feel like that's a great I mean I love that approach I think that um, that works really well for some artists, yeah. and some artists need the help, right? Yeah. And, you know, I met, so in the 90s, I was a manager, and I used to meet, you know, I was in L.A., in, in hip-hop, and I used to meet, I met 10 guys who told me they did all these, you know, these records for Dr. Dre. Yeah. They're like, you know, Dre's name is on it, but it's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 10 different guys, and they, and they were all telling the truth, mm -hmm. right, as far as I know. Um, but you'd hear their demos and they weren't good. They didn't sound like Dre's shit. Like, sounds, the, like right? it finished, yeah. And, and so, so, you know, you learn what Dre did. He may not have written those first notes, yeah. right? But he took somebody's stuff that was pretty good and made it what we heard on the records. But that's different. 
because that's production on, on a level of like it's like Quincy Jones raw temperature for sure you know right. on that level caliber yeah. I'm not going to if I'm just signing these records I'm not going to co-produce it and this and then go and put my, that's that's more in depth sure. where yeah. well you should these kids you should give them some pointers right. you know but yeah Dre's at a point on a level where he needs a factory of, mm-hmm. of producing and he perfects it later and then they get For the sure. publishing right. I think that and that and that mental totally yeah and all these A&R guys you're talking about they're not Dr. Dre either, no so yeah we're, we're living it. in a world like you should you, you should be able to make these tracks right. and just you know do it and not yeah it's it's not I'm not saying I'm not I'm saying it's easy it's okay. not it's not rock, you know it's nah, I get it design. but yeah these you know they don't they wind up I've had A&R's literally saying you should change this for put this I don't like the smell of it change that move this drop move and like man you're you're making them like you're doing this mm-hmm. then do it yourself right. you should make records actually because right. then I you know <laughs> sure. and that's what that's that's what I that's what I think is funny I think A&Ring is all it's always good to help the artist yeah. but I think it's good to help them shine better instead of trying to force you on them mm-hmm. so if I was working on producing a band I'm not going to change the band I'm just right. going to enhance them and make them make what they already do good better mm-hmm. but I'm not going to change their aesthetic or what you know how you know you know what I'm saying yeah. like really no, add too much of me to sure. them because then it's, it becomes me mm-hmm. it's not really what right. they're about If you're enjoying this one, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives. Check out my interview last year with Louis Vega, another one of the godfathers of house music. Uh, Louis has so many great stories to tell. And, and, you know, another guy who just I appreciate his whole uh, way of going at it. So I hope you dig that one, too. So besides the music, what do you look for in artists that to know you want to work with them on a long term is definitely the x factor me and like yo you're a beast like if i if there's a kid uh, if there's a kid that um you know is like she's she's big um bananas yeah a kid that's really like yo you see that potential that you want to nurture and you help i'm totally you know, bring them under my wing and help them. Nice. Uh, yeah, because I, I like doing that and I love doing that, you know? But there's far and few between that you find some kids sure. really like, you know. Um, of course, I mean, you got to be protective of your time and resources. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially in this day and age. For sure. But, um, but usually I just, if I like it and I'll play it, I'll put it out. Yeah. And I make it as easy as possible for the, for the artists, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Like, put it out you know there's some options for release dates whatever I'm working on a new project right now with a friend of mine with Demure something collectively hopefully two other people I think it's one of the first times that a, a group of real individual DJs and producers get together and do something nice and walk, tell me what it is. walk the walk and talk the talk meaning like 
truly support the artists that we bring in. Oh, cool. Put them on the events for real, for real. Not like, oh, we will. Right, put you right, down. Right. And then, you know. Catch you on at 8 o'clock or something. Yeah, or, or not get them on at all. Like, oh, wow. You, like, do a party in their city yeah. and not invite the younger kids that are from there to play. Yeah. You know, so we're doing something. Um, I think the kids don't realize one of the, the really disconnects right now, back in. Uh, one of the disconnects between the street kids now that they don't know is that this music is theirs sure like house music techno yeah is theirs it's black puerto rican it's from the streets it's creating sure. techno is from detroit and right. they don't know this so there's that disconnect no. but if they realize this they claim ownership that's why connie looks like a genius when he samples a house record they're like oh this motherfucker's a genius because right. they don't know where it comes of course. from no i mean I, I had kenny locking on the show not that long ago yeah you know love kenny me too and but you know he talks about like he he considers himself and his uh, guys he came up with they're like the little Richards right yeah. that that started to sound and then immediately in their case immediately got co-opted by, by you know white, white producers beans. white um, promoters mm-hmm. all of that right and you know brought it back to the world as this white thing um, which is it, it's if you look at the pattern of For musical sure. history right kind of what happens in everything yeah house music same thing yeah rock music same thing right yeah. it is it's just it is what it is For sure so we acknowledge that now I'm not trying to fight it mm-hmm. it, it is what it is all we got to do is now re-expose we're in a, we got to use what we have in our resource now is technology and information and just feed it back to these kids so yeah. they learn. Yeah. I was getting my hair cut the other day and and and, and uh, not my normal barber. It's the other dude. So it was really, it's funny because real quick, I was taking my girl to get her hair cut into a place where she wasn't normally go to. So I was like, she was all like tensed up. I'm like, just don't worry about it. Just somebody cut your hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that simple for girls, right? Yeah, so she went in and I'm like, I had time. Like, let me go find, you know, because I was going on a trip. Let me go find somebody real quick to do me. I found a spot. And I go in, and I started feeling like her. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then, anyway, it was uncomfortable. Right. Lo and behold, they're playing music, and then Robin S. comes on. Show me love. And there's was brothers, like two, two black kids. Mm-hmm. Two kids, maybe in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Come in here, and he's like, yo, this is the jam. I'm like, I'm just listen. Crystal Water comes on. I guess whatever playlist that yeah. was, it was his. Mm-hmm. And it, before that, it was like Chance the Rapper, this and that, uh, Run the Jewels. You okay. know, it was it was eclectic. Yeah. Like, you got y'all like this? And he's like, Yo, this is the shit, man. I know. I was listening. To then then he's like, I was listening to more of Robin S. And she had dope records. And I'm like, Wow. They had no idea. They're like, Yeah, man, this is Europe stuff. This is us. This right. is you know, yeah. techno is black. It's comes from Detroit and for sure. like, nah for real yeah, and I'm just not trying that. to educate and not, not trying to be preachy and right. just talk have barbershop talk in for a sure. way where they're like oh, and they're looking at me like who's who the fuck who are you and why do you know this shit and then I didn't tell them any information but um, <clears throat> it was good to see that happening because that opens up the conversation yeah. and I think like a panel next year in AD should be a panel like that 
where you open up the conversation between, you know, and yeah. it's hard maybe to do that here. Maybe it should be done in the States. Sure. Because I mean, how is this going to resonate for me? Sure. Yeah, you know, so something. Right. Yeah, yeah, ultra, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and an artist, I think artists need to, you know, acknowledge that But I think, I mean, I, I do think they need to come back. here too. They need you to know? hear. Um, you say hip house needs to come back? For sure. Yeah, why not? Yo, yeah. think about it. When I was growing up, and I had this conversation with somebody from 300, the New York company, mm-hmm. a friend of mine yeah, that yeah. he's seen a lot. He was a Def Jam, so, and we mm-hmm. had this conversation, and I pinpointed something. He was like, you're right. When I was growing up, every hip hop artist at the time had a club yeah. joint on the yeah. record. Oh, yeah. You know, you had. Uh, Queen Latifah coming mm-hmm. to my house. How do I love thee? Yeah. Craig G turned his house into mm-hmm. a home. Special Ed, this is for the club scene. Tropical Quest, Black is Black. Even the DOC had a, 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 a club joint. Oh, damn. Yeah. We'll go look for that one. Dude. And you, and then you had the more than just did house, but you had hip hop, right. MC Light, house power. Yep. I mean, we can go on, yeah. on and on and on. Well, yeah, because at the time it was club music. Club right. music. But what happened was the connection to the gay culture that they turned their back on. For sure. 100%. And I asked them, like, you think that's what it was? You being a label guy at that time, in it, in the, yeah. de- in the, in the trenches of, of that time. He was like, absolutely, I was scared. So they had to detach themselves from that aesthetic or that thing because they were making hip-hop. You can't have a... It's just a connection to house music being gay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Nah. I mean, it's the same thing with rock and disco, right? Yeah, yeah. Or soul and disco. You know, uh, shit that went down in Detroit and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's funny, funny, funny stuff. But um, it was working and it was happening. It was a movement. It was, yeah. it was definitely something amazing. Yeah. You know, look at Jungle Brothers mm-hmm. and Todd. You know, sure. Tough fuck. That's crazy. We mm-hmm. can have 20 million of those. We got more Robinesses. We have more Crystal Waters. You know. So, bring it back. Well, I mean, hopefully we'll try. I'm, we're ready. All we can do is <laughs> try to do it. You know. Hey, I, you uh, you mentioned your girl. So I read that y'all are getting married. Yeah, next year. Um, so important question: Who's DJing the wedding? Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, at, whoever comes that's there that it that wants to grace the desk decks will okay. I know like you know everybody's down to do it so yeah. you know I'm sure it's gonna be I'm gonna have I mean for a guy like you that's not an easy that's yeah. not a simple choice no but I mean like there's good open it up to friends open it up to friends yeah. and people bring USBs and have fun that's cool. and let's have a good time you know yeah yeah if if we get there, you know, I kind of wanted to be organic. I was married once before I'm divorced. Okay. And um, my, uh, I want this one yeah. to be a little bit more meaningful than 
and I'm not the same in my last one wasn't meaningful it yeah, just was a different yeah, I was in a different place in my life sure. and it was it was more of a party yeah. than it was like you know should I remember uh-huh. the wedding I don't know sure. yeah so ah, that's cool so she's in Portugal right now actually she was here she came she left yesterday she, she'll be back tomorrow morning oh nice to go see her grandmother yeah. and also look at places oh we're cool. gonna get married in Portugal oh nice yeah Amazing. What are you most excited about next? Um, I'm excited for the next five years of this phase of my career. Okay. Of this time. I'm, okay. I'm excited about what's about to happen, what's about to come. Um, I'm going to work on another album. Okay. Which the last one I did was on Armada, actually, mm-hmm. called Under the Influence. And how and most people don't know when I did that record most of most and it, it's my our, our fault all of our faults that we get influenced by things that are outside of our realm like I'm influenced by Trevor Horn and Prince I'm lucky enough that I met someone like Trevor Horn and stuff, but you start saying all this stuff that is kind of out of your reach Mm -hmm. or out of your realm, really, Right. that are your inspiration. And I realized before I started my last album that all my influences have been around me the whole time. They come over my house, they hang out, we break bread, we talk about music, and it's my friends, Todd, Kenny. you take it for granted, you know, that sure. these people are, you know, your friends now. Right, right. And when I was growing up, they weren't my friends. They were like my people I admired. Right. They were my Trevor Horns. Yeah. They were, you know, my Rod Tepperton's, mm-hmm. you know, for real. And right. then you become friends with them and somehow you, oh, you it gets lost along the way. And then, you know, you revert back to like, oh man, Quincy Jones and this and that. And then you're like, yeah, they're amazing, but right. you're amazing, Todd. Fuck. And then we would go, I realized we would hang out in my house and we start listening to a soul freestyle records that he produced. They did the shitload that I love. And we get, he starts dancing, we get inspired. I'm like, damn, this is my influence. And so I did a whole record based around all of that. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Basically paying homage to my friends. Yeah. That was what Under the Influence was. Dope. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's exciting. Well, I have a quick lightning round before I let you go. Um, what's your favorite city to travel to? Spain. Who's your favorite DJ? Derek Carr. Um, what's the last great book you read? Um, Motley Crue the Dirt. Oh, shit. Okay. What movie have you seen the most in your life? Purple Rain. <laughs> That's a great movie, man. We, I watched it again, like, last... 
earlier this year. Yeah. Um, you ever wake up with a song playing in your head? Yes. What's the last one you can remember? It was. Um, oh man, it was just recently. I can't remember the title now, but it was some. It's like some, some pop record that was just like on. Yeah. It, it, usually that happens with the most annoying song. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's yeah, not it's like, like a song that you, you know. Like. It's like you know Demi Lovato. It's like <laughs> something. Yeah. What's the last thing you stole? Oh, damn, for real? Um, uh, uh, I didn't steal it, but kind of steal So I was at Home Depot. They gave me this. I was trying to buy I was changing my hardware from my cabinets. Uh-huh. And so the guy gave me, he just broke open a patch, and he just gave me one of the, you know, I needed one. He just gave it to me. But that's, that's cool. technically stealing. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, that's friendly, though. Sometimes, you know. <laughs> got to be that way. You got to do your fucking right. Thank you. Um, if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Uh, good morning. Would you have coffee? How's your day? Just keep it moving. Nice. It's, you know, shit yeah. like that. That's cool. Junior, thanks, man. I appreciate you oh, doing man, this. Thank you. This is dope. It's yeah, great. Um, anytime you come to L.A., if there's anything you need, Yo, we got yeah, you. Yeah, let's break some bread. Yeah, like 100%. Sure. 100%. For sure. Dope. Yeah, that was Junior Sanchez live from ADE on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Make sure you leave us a comment. Uh, a five-star review on iTunes wouldn't hurt. We appreciate that. Um, go ahead and subscribe. Make sure you're getting all of our episodes if you're not already subscribed. But if you're not, I'm not really sure how you got this one. Anyway, you can also reach out to us on Twitter, on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, all of those are at Rebel Radio Net. And we got videos of a lot of our episodes showing up on YouTube at Rebel Radio Net. Most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.